And we are back with another day. Uh, today's topic will be very interesting, hopefully, and very informative for our listeners. Before we get started, of course, I just want to say this is a very sensitive topic. And if at any point you feel uncomfortable talking about this, especially because it is your own personal experience, please let me know. And of course, we'll move on to something else. Don't worry, trolls. Just <laughs> only thing is. Know. Ignore my freaking voice, everyone, because I have been cold and sick for the last while. So if uh, I randomly go silent, it's because I have to mute myself to to cough or something. My voice is it's not COVID gone. related for anyone worried. So it's all no, good. yeah, no, no COVID here. Ain't getting no Rona. Okay, so, so then we can delve straight into this. Yeah. Tell us about sickle cell. Tell us what it is. Yeah, just so for anyone who doesn't really know at all, so sickle cell is a disorder of the hemoglobin in the red blood cells. So like hemoglobin is responsible for the color of your red blood cells and for carrying oxygen around the body, you know. So uh, a sickle cell patient has normal blood cells, which everyone has, which is like kind of like circular ovular. And then sickle cell patients specifically also carry around sickle blood cells, which are more of like in a sickle shape. So like a crescent moon, if you want to think about it that way, you know, so people uh, born with sickle cell have this uh, sickle uh, shaped blood cell that affects the way blood is like carried through the body. And and that means when oxygen removes from that blood cell, uh, it can just get stuck in different places and can like have blood clots. And you have sickle cell when you're born with it from you inherit from both your parents so for example like uh, it's based off your genotype yeah, most people don't know it because you don't need it usually but like for a sickle cell person you know what it is because to have sickle cell you, you have to be either be ss or like sc or and there's a few others as well like s plus beta but the main ones are did ss you, and sc did your parents know beforehand or you know did they know from birth yeah so like my dad and my mom so like we're since we're from nigeria like sickle cell mostly affects like african people and uh asian people it doesn't really affect people in the west that much but um my parents from nigeria everyone knows about sickle cell something like you try to avoid uh, like you know passing down because if you're a carrier which means you're either have an as or an ac uh genotype which means like your kid could get the s you know from one parent to the c from another parent or get an s from both parents and so on and so forth so my dad uh, actually got tested uh to, to get his genotype and they told him he was aa because in nigeria like back in the day all that really mattered was the s they're like oh if we don't see an s then you're fine you're probably aa because that was like that's the main factor because you can have c's but like s is what's gonna start the whole uh, sickle cell for your kid so my mom was as and my dad was told he was aa so he thought it was perfectly fine that he can have babies with anyone like he's not gonna have any issues only to come to find out later on when they had me and i was like around two years old and i was having pain and didn't know what was going on they're like you know what let's just do a test a blood test for him to find out and they're like hey your kid's actually sc and then my dad's like what that's not possible i'm aa where the hell did the c come from is my mom out here playing games or something you know but no (laughs) but no uh he actually found out because they did a test on him that he's actually AC, not AA, like he was told. So, you know, that means obviously then that had the chance for 
me and my youngest brother to be SC, which we ended up being. So, like, my middle brother luckily got to escape it, but me and my youngest brother were so lucky we both got the S and the C from our parents, you know. So, and you know, luck what, the like, what are, like, some of the main symptoms, you would say? Yeah, so, like, the main symptoms for, like, sickle cell is anemia, and then the, like, real big thing is the severe pain episode, so, which are called crises which is like pain caused from sickle cells causing blood clots around the body. So as I said before, uh, the sickle cell shaped blood cells, what happens is when they release oxygen, they like start to clump together because of the way they are, they're shaped. And then they can cause blood clots anywhere in the body at all at any time. And due to that, you have to have like, severe treatment like for painkillers like a lot of people with sickle cell when they get these pain crises like serious pain episodes you have to like have morphine and you have to be in hospitalized because it's like serious blood clots that can happen anywhere in your body like at any point which also cause other things you know which is like you're at risk of other complications like strokes acute chest syndrome blindness bone damage priapism all these things and it's crazy because like the more attacks you get, the more crises you have, you can damage other organs, you know, like stuff like your liver, your kidney, your lungs, your heart, your spleen. Uh, funny one on that one we can touch on later. And all these complications then uh, can just lead to a lot of things you don't want, which like, such as death, you know, it's pretty uh, serious because you have a lot of people who have a lot of pain episodes and you're, you're just there like, in hospital or at home or wherever you are when you have your attack depending on how severe it is like you kind of rate it between like one and ten and you're like it could be in your like left arm your right arm could be both legs it could be like if a, an organ feeling like really painful anywhere realistically like child that carries blood you can have pain there and it's just some like serious like everyone has different types of pain but like for me personally it's like kind of like the severe like numbing stinging like constant like pulsing pain and it's just like especially as a kid you have no idea what's going on it's uh you know mm -hmm. pretty scary you mentioned there that you know major side effect is anemia did you ever feel frustrated trying to explain other people what you have and then being like oh anemia i understand that word that's no big deal as uh, this whole sickle cell thing funny enough when i was in primary school um it was a situation where like, I would have uh, sickle cell episodes, you know, like, and I would just wouldn't go to school. But there are times that which it wouldn't be too bad. And I'd be like, tough it on, I go to school. And I'd be like, trying to explain like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling pain because of whatever. And then people just couldn't understand. They didn't know what it is. Like, a lot of people don't know. Like, for example, I think in America right now, you have like, 300 and something million people, right? And mm -hmm. I think about 100,000 people or so have sickle cell. So, like, you can see how low those numbers are, you know? So, like, especially in Ireland, like, there's they don't really know much. So, and no one really knows what sickle cell is. So, when I was younger, like, I'd be telling people, like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling, like, pain and telling my teachers. And they'd be like, oh, no, you're fine, you know? And I remember there's one specific scenario that stems in my head where I was talking to this teacher and this guy, this other guy, this student, uh, I think it was like in fifth class and I was trying to explain to them the six cells. Like I was trying to explain like all the pain and stuff. And not like I was young. So like I was thinking I was like around nine years old trying to explain it. And 
they didn't really grasp it and they're like no i think you're you're getting it wrong and i'm like no no like honestly like i'm paying that like you can't just be in pain something has to be causing it. i'm like like i you know at the time i didn't really know about blood clots and all those stuff and i'm like how my like i just have pain and that's all i know i don't know why it's happening it's just happening and you know like when people are telling you no you can't be in pain because you have no reason like it's very demotivating and very annoying you know like you you're just like why like what am i what do you want from me like what more can i tell you um is has there ever been any like cures for this like you know i'm kind of thinking like it's a big enough kind of like um issue like you know we have a cancer and leukemia and things like that has there ever been a cure has it been looked into researched a little bit so, as for a cure there is technically a cure for sickle cell it's a bone marrow transplant but this is only for like at a very small percentage of people affected by sickle cell and that's even assuming you can even get a suitable donor in the first place so like the cure isn't something that like oh we got you here uh you have sickle cell here's a cure it's pretty much like one of those things where like you're just very lucky if you can get that mm-hmm. bone marrow transplant if you're one of those people who can and if you and even if you can you have to have a suitable donor you know so like those are two things up against you in that situation then so like most people aren't lucky enough to have a cure for it unfortunately yeah that that is unfortunate because it is a big portion of people and you're just like oh well it's not worth our time or something. It's almost like that's what it comes across as. The places in which have like the most advanced like medical uh, training and everything, they don't, you don't have enough numbers of people, you know, mm-hmm. to try proper in-depth research on it. Because you, one, you don't have the numbers in the first place. And two, like you don't have enough people uh, coming in with it for you to justify it as much as some other things mm-hmm. where it affects multiple people across the world, you know. So, how yeah. do you think, how was your experience actually here in Ireland with, you know, the hospitals and, you know, here in Truly, maybe it's a bit small. So I don't know. Did, did you have yeah, doctors? So growing up in Truly, like Cary uh, General Hospital was like the hospital I always went to. It's Cary University Hospital now. But that's the hospital I used to always go to when I was younger for everything like it was so funny so like I think between when I came to Ireland around six and a half or so like nearly seven years old uh I was living here uh, from living here the entire time in Kerry all the way to like I think I was around 16 I was in the hospital the whole time like all the nurses in the in the you know the kids ward knew me like they knew me like they like when they saw me they're like oh it's Rook's back you know like I was going in there that regularly and for long periods of time like weeks on end sometimes you know so and the thing is they didn't really know too much about sickle cell themselves like some of the doctors like they're like oh yeah like we've read it in this book we did when we were studying to be doctors you know ages ago but we don't really know too much so they you know have to do research on trying to help and then they kind of like learned through me what worked and what didn't work uh you know like it was kind of like a the way that the best way to say it is kind of was like an individual basis essentially they were like mm-hmm. yeah this uh, from years of being with Farouk, we kind of figured out that this works and he needs this and that, you know, when he... I mean, you you paved the way for other sickle cell patients, I guess. Like yeah. In Ireland, there probably weren't as much sickle cell patients. Like now, as as I'm older, I go to a consultant up in Dublin instead in, in St. James' Hospital. And um, like it's night and day in comparison. Like they know a lot more because they have a lot more sickle cell patients. They have like this 
step-by-step routine of what happens when a sick cell patient comes in with a crisis, what they do is like oxygen, keep them hydrated with fluids, keep them, give them some morphine, X, Y, Z, you know, like they have the step of like, we have to get to the root cause of this and like get you feeling as little pain as possible, as fast as possible. So, you know, like, and that's through time and also like more eyes being brought upon the whole situation. So I feel like with time, it'll get better. And as time goes on, more people should, you know, uh, have more idea of what it is. So when you come in, you're like, oh, I've seen this before. And this is like a routine I have to go through for it. Um, I want to ask a little bit about, I guess, COVID and sickle cell. And, you know, has COVID, of course, I assume you're a really high risk patient with COVID. So then what has how has that been impacting you? Normally, anyway, the life expectancy for someone with sickle cell is a lot less than someone without it. Like a few studies have shown it's like 22 to 30 years like difference uh, with someone without sickle cell. Like some, That's some really studies. significant. Yeah, like some studies even like uh, there was a, a 2012 study that before that showed like males with sickle cell live to like 47 but obviously that's increased a bit since then but like still even if we're talking with the average life expectancy it's like around 90 100 years old like it's like 100 if you're lucky like 90s kind of like you know around the thing so like you're moving 30 from that you're saying like most people six are dying around 60 you know or like Just in their 60s hit, like um pension agent yeah well once you're about to get your pension you're like you're gone fam so like with covid as you can guess it's been pretty bad like you know we're seen as very high risk patients like uh like some study from the cdc showed that you're seven percent more likely to die from covid if you have sickle cell you're 69 percent more likely to be hospitalized and then 11 percent more likely to be in icu you know 11 times sorry so it's uh pretty crazy you know like a lot of, they tell you pretty much essentially to cocoon you know like the same way they tell any person that's 65 plus to cocoon like you need to be really careful about trying to avoid getting covid as much as you can mm-hmm. until you get vaccinated because you know like you can end up in a serious uh having serious complications from covid and then it'd be worse because of your sickle cell and then how do you feel about um the vaccine you know because i don't know how much studies have been done on sickle cell and you know the covid vaccine so how how do you feel about it i feel pretty good for about the vaccine to be honest like i'd rather have the vaccine than get it because like recently i actually got my first dosage of the vaccine and uh, like the reason I'm sick right now is, you know, like some side effects from this uh, vaccine because I have sick cells so are more likely to uh, show those symptoms of side effects. Mm-hmm. And like even just the side effects since everything is killing me recently. I'm like, imagine I actually got full blown COVID and that rip. So no way. Um, trying you think to, it's uh, funny? <laughs> you think it's funny? Yeah, no, I'm definitely like trying to avoid that. And especially like there's a lot of information out there. Like sicklecellsociety.org is like a real big place for sickle cell information. And they're like pushing sickle cell patients to be like, please get the vaccine. It's for your own good. You know, like don't be swayed by all these vaccine conspiracies and everything. Like you are the people who you have to get it. You can't mess around with not getting it, you know, because like COVID can be a very deathly uh, mistake for you. So definitely i feel like anyone with sickle cell definitely should get the vaccine i feel like everyone should get the vaccine period you know like mm-hmm. that's a whole nother conversation for another day but yeah like just get the vaccine <laughs> just mm-hmm. get get jabbed man <laughs> <laughs> um i wanna i guess i want to talk a little bit about the triggers and you know i i know that one of the a great trigger is like extreme temperature changes how did you find moving here to ireland which was extreme temperature change from nigeria did that impact you you know a lot 
Yeah, so like for anyone who listened to like our growing up in Ireland uh, thing, we you know I talked about traveling over here, and uh, I was severely sick on the plane. I was in pain. I was getting sick everywhere. I was nauseous, everything. And then when I came uh, first to London before like I came to Ireland, because that's where we flew to. I was at my cousin's house and I would like everyone else was outside, like messing around. I was inside in pain in bits. I was freezing. I was, I was sick and like, I was having a lot of pain. I just wasn't having it. So like the temperature change for me, especially going from like a super hot country like Nigeria to a cold country like England or Ireland, it wasn't good. Like it took time, especially when I was younger, I was getting very frequent, uh, sick, like sickle cell crises because of all the cold days in Ireland and the weather and everything. So and then you have other triggers as well you know like stress like um, you know especially when I just, you're young. just want to before you move on um do you did you um would you say that it's uh, more likely to impact younger people than older people so then like did it take you longer to get used to the temperature change when you know you came I, here i feel like it can impact anyone honestly i feel like um the the extreme change in temperature is just something that if you at any age the moment your body's just like well you you have to be really careful you know to gradually get yeah. through it because like that's the thing about sickle cell anything realistically as you said like can be a trigger for anything at all so like, then, it's one of those like, things you have to be mindful of and then with um you mentioned flying itself does flying itself impact you and what are some precautions that you would take Flying, yeah, has impacted me because high high altitude change actually can cause crises. Mm-hmm. So every time I'm flying, I'm always really careful when flying. I make sure I have warm things to put on, you know, so when I'm in the plane, I'm not too cold. And then I try, like, uh, stand up and walk around as much as I can, you know, to keep blood flowing through my body, you know. Maybe as like, much look at that lunatic thing in another lap. Yeah, exactly. Doing laps around the plane because, like, I I've noticed that if I like stay still in the plane and I'm not keeping myself warm, I am very prone to getting crises. And so I try to avoid that as much as I can. I just like when I know I'm going on a flight, I'm like, okay, I have to make sure I have warm clothes and remember that when you're on the flight, try and move as much as possible. So then, of course, when you travel to the other side of the world, like you know Japan and South Korea, did you find that like you know a lot worse than, of course, traveling here in Europe? Yeah, exactly, because you, the, the flights are longer. So, you know, you have a lot more of a time, the leeway for you to end up screwing yourself and catching a crisis, you know. So that's the last thing you want. So then, you know, of course, you said there are other triggers. And I think this is a huge one I want to touch on because, as, you know, listeners may have heard in a previous fitness talk, um, you're a huge fitness freak, but overexertion can trigger an attack. So, how do you make that work? Uh, well, it's a love-hate relationship. That's what it is. <laughs> it's I want gains more than I care about getting the crises. But uh, no, so it's actually a pretty tough thing. Like even my doctor, so she's like uh, recommends me to work out up to three hours a week max. Anyone who a knows week? me, I spend like two hours in the gym a day, six times a, a day a week. So um it's pretty tough but i i felt like when i was younger and i was playing sports it wasn't too bad like but when i got attacks obviously you know i couldn't play sports or anything but then as i grew up uh due to like complications i had as well like surgery and so on i ended up being really like skinny really frail and i couldn't really do much and i think i was around like 50 50 kg at the time and then i started getting into gym uh to try kind of like toughen up my body because 
with sickle cell, when you get an attack, not only are you really in pain and you have all these other complications that can come from it, you end up in a situation where you kind of like your body can just eat away at itself. Like mm -hmm. you lose fat so quickly. Like, and it's not like in the nice way, like, oh my God, I'm getting lean. Like your body just runs, wears itself down. You lose weight so easily. And like for anyone like who's going to the gym, you end up losing muscle, which is like your worst nightmare. So you end up losing weight and muscle. But the thing about it is the more you build yourself up, I found from my personal experience, it makes it so that you don't feel as bad because the worst scenario you get is when you have like no fat, no muscle to protect you and all you're doing is absolutely destroying away your body when you have a, a crisis, you know? So I've felt like working out has kind of helped me in a sense as in like, it's like that extra layer of protection before I get to my worst case scenario, you know? Like it'll eat away at my fat, my muscles, so on and so forth before I get to that like super deathly, oh my God, everything is so bad. I'm just wearing away at my body and my organs completely, you know, type of thing. Do you find it very demotivating, you know, when you're working out and then you have a crisis and then you lose gains and then you have to restart again? So you're working twice maybe triple as hard as the rest of us are sometimes it it is annoying like i've kind of gotten over at this stage but there was a point at which like i was doing really well for myself i gained probably around like 20 kg almost in my first few years and i was around 75 77 kg nearly about to hit 80 and i was severely plateaued at like 70 for a while you know and i was feeling so good and then i got a really bad crisis while i was in college and i i like dropped to like 69 or something and like at that point i was really like mentally low because i was like oh my god all this work i've gone through all this mm -hmm. effort of years put through and it's just like being lost from like one or two bad crises and then it really pissed me off you know but like, I just have no choice but to just get up and just keep moving. You know, like if you move it down, you work harder and you try to move on and do as much as you can to gain more and protect yourself, you know. And why why is it that working out and, you know, making huge gains, why is that bad for you as a sickle cell patient? One thing, like my doctor always tells me, is to avoid taking supplements or any kind. So, like, that's why I'm on no supplements, protein, nothing. Like, I just eat food because I'm not allowed to. Because the issue is, one, uh, they, there's, like, different chemicals, different whatever and different things. So, they don't know how that's going to affect you. You know, like, any, like, maybe something your body doesn't like and then that causes the crisis. So, you're better being safe than sorry. And two is that when you... Uh, take those things it helps with like growing muscle and you can grow muscle around your heart as everyone knows mm -hmm. which then in a situation where you don't want to grow too much muscle in your heart as a sickle cell patient because then that can lead to further crises more crises because you're pumping too much blood which means you can have more lots of clots and so on and so forth that's the whole overexertion thing you know like you're pushing so much blood around your body that you can end up having more clots mm -hmm. so they tell you to just stay away like from supplements like every time i go for my like my monthly appointment with my consultant she's like you i know you love the gym are you taking any supplements i'm like no you ask this every time she's like yeah i want to keep reminding you not to take anything you don't mean <laughs> i mean that's crazy because not only do you have to work twice as hard in the gym but you have to eat so much more food than like <laughs> one of my protein scoops oh yeah it's a pain trying to get hit your protein goals while still having sickle cell that's for sure um no it's tough and i don't know honestly like guys i'm not i'm not gonna lie like if you see him in real life you would not think that there's anything wrong like he's a proper built guy and he's like i want to get huge um but like <laughs> dude i don't know how you just you know you just risk it every time like anything could happen you're like no it's okay yeah it is what it is you, you do what you want for what you love in it so yeah, you just got to push through. So but then, yeah, no, um, it's a another... balancing act. No, go on. I was just saying it's a balancing act. 
um then another fitness thing that i i know i read about swimming can trigger attacks but i know that you were a swimmer when you were younger so how did that work yeah i loved swimming when i was younger i was doing competitions and carrying everything like i really loved like my teacher used to say i was a dolphin you know because i loved (laughs) swimming so much and i was just like really fast and good at it but yeah no like any form of exercise can cause attacks and swimming can because you know you're using your whole body you're really overexerting like anyone who does swing knows it you takes your entire capacity to you know when you're swimming through so definitely there were times i definitely got attacks from swimming and i didn't realize it was from swimming you know and it was only like when i was older and i look back at the times so i'm like man you know what i actually got so many attacks because i used to go swimming so much in primary school the more you know, you know. those competitions but uh, it's like as i said like it's just a balancing act you gotta like the thing about Sigasol is it's one of those things that's kind of like like that scary boogeyman in the corner that you know mm-hmm. at any time for any reason you know if i'm too happy if i'm too sad if i'm too uh anything too excited like or even just changing weather like i can get a crisis and this crisis could be uh, okay or it could be really bad and then it could be like essentially the thing that leads to my death you know it's that boogeyman always hovering over your head but the thing is i feel like you can't let it dominate your life like that you need to move on you need to be like okay i know i have this thing i'm gonna try my best to make sure it doesn't happen as often but also at the same time I'm not gonna let it stop me from living my own life and doing what i want because i know like especially as a kid uh with sickle cell you can go through a lot you know like there, like i've had a few dark times like as a child and it's really hard to move on from them, but you have to like find the strength within you to like, you know, push on and like mm-hmm. go through it. That is actually a very huge uh, thing you just touched on there. And I want to talk a little bit more about it. Um, emotional, you know, impact on sickle cell and how we can, you know, trigger it from just feeling emotions too intensely. How do you deal with that? Because I think, you know, like people get like so angry and happy at, at like various levels throughout the day let alone like in a lifetime how does that impact you yeah like anyone can who knows me growing up like i i i was angry like i used, used to get angry really easily you know because like, my little my youngest brother would always say you have anger problems because he couldn't <laughs> speak properly so anger problem you have rage problems you know and i'm like yeah whatever but um you have to really try like cool yourself down like now like i'm pretty mellow to be honest like i i'm pretty chill when it comes to anything and i think that's just like a side a subconscious side effect of me just knowing i can't be too much of anything like people who know me like i'm pretty chill like i do get excited a lot that's probably my one big thing i'm very easy to get excited and happy but i'm also like super chill for most things like my motto is like i don't care you know like i just don't deep anything too much because i'm like one i don't really care and two like it's like it's not worth my health health for me to deep something Mm -hmm. too much you know so and then of course you know these are you know some things but i think you know stress would be a huge one like you experience a lot of stress especially you know as a software engineer how does that impact you you just have to be able to learn when you're having signs of stress and just being able to walk away from something i feel you like everyone themselves has to like figure out when you feel like you're stressed when you feel like you're getting anxious or something and just be like okay it's really not worth my health risk for me to be like this and i'm just gonna walk away from this thing and just cool out you know like that's your best scenario there are times that you can feel anxious or stressed about anything in your life anything you know and everyone experiences stress and anxiety and i think a good model for anyone is just like when you feel that you need to be able to just step back 
walk away and just like try let yourself cool down and I feel like that's your best medicine for that so how do you feel then this works in the workplace like do you find you know your managers being understanding of your situation or you know how does that work? Yeah, my, my manager is very understanding, to be honest. Like, I've had a whole conversation in which I've talked to him about my sickle cell and, like, explained to him what it is. And, you know, he's very understanding. He'll be like, oh, you know, Farouk, if you're not feeling well, feel free to step away from your computer and, you know, uh, relax if you need uh, and all this. And if I'm, like, telling him to have uh, some pain, he'll tell me to just, like, you know, take my time off or as in, like, my day, my sick day and everything. So he's very understanding of everything. He, he's and it's really good when you have people who can sympathize and understand your situation and care more about you than you know like the work and so on like they put you first like your health your physical and mental health is their priority and that's one thing i actually do really enjoy about working in my own company because i found like every manager i've had in the company has been really good for that Mm -hmm. no that's i'm really happy to hear that at least um and i'm glad that you know they're they're willing to learn about it and understand you and your personal situation. I think that's that's really important to create a safe environment. Yeah, it's definitely very handy. You know, like, especially, like, growing up, you know, there's a lot of situations where, as I said, like, a lot of people, you don't have time to give people the whole massive 10, 15-minute explanation of what sickle cell is and the spiel as to why or whatever, you know. So it's mm-hmm. nice that when you can tell someone something and they just understand you. You know, like, and one thing I do find is when I was younger, I tell a lot of people like, oh, I have six something they would like, what's that? But even now I'm older, like, and even the workplace, there are friends I have in the workplace that I'm like, oh, I have six something And they're instantly like, oh, I know what that is. And I'm like, it feels, it's like a fresher, a breath of fresh yeah. air. You know, I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, I don't need to give this whole spiel. They fully understand that what the situation is. And they're like, cool. You know, like, if you need anything, like, let us know. And I'm like, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um. So, okay, I want to touch back on this because you mentioned it a little bit earlier um, about the spleen situation. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so that was probably like, as I said, that's probably like one of the darkest times in my life personally. Like that's uh, one of those things where I was very young. Um, I was uh, about to go into, I was in fifth year actually, sorry, of secondary school. And I went on a holiday around near the end of the year, like uh, 2012, around October, November time with my, I think it was actually around October because it was for the like, you know, um, midterm break with my uh, best friend Sharif at the time and uh, my dad, we were going to London, right? So uh, before then I, I was having a bit of pain, but not too bad, right? But then we were in London after like the first day I was having this severe lower left abdomen pain and I couldn't put a finger on it. I was just like, why am I in pain? What the hell is going on? And like, it kind of like ruined our trip because I really couldn't do it. I could hardly walk. I could hardly stand. I couldn't do anything. And we were there, you know, like, but I tried to push through. We went, you know, did all the like touristy stuff while we were there, but I was in pain. And I was like, I don't know if it's a crisis or whatever the story is because I've never had a crisis in my like stomach region, abdomen region before. I've always had it like in my legs and in my arms, you know, I've never had it anywhere else before. So that was a new one. So I was talking, it might be something else. But then we come back to Ireland then and I go straight to the hospital like the day we come back you know and I was just in pain and we were there for ages I was in the hospital for a good few weeks uh we I was being treated for the pain and they were trying to figure out what's going on what uh, like no one really had a clue They're like is this is a really bad crisis and I was in the hospital then in in care for about I think it was nearly two months or so or like a month and a half after a few x-rays and everything they realized that 
there was an issue with my spleen. It, it kind of like had a uh, been damaged due to sickle cell and kind of like punctured. So my spleen was massively enlarged, like crazy big. And because of that, I was in pain for my spleen and I was having a crisis at the same time, which just made everything really worse. It was a, it was a really crazy situation because I, that was probably the worst pain I've ever been in my life. Like I was in Cary uh, General Hospital at the time and they were like, okay, you're, we're going to have to try to figure out what to do, maybe even operate on your spleen, but we can't do that here. We have to take you to court. So before, like, I'll, I'll never forget, like, it's the day before I went to Cork and I was there with my dad in the hospital. And uh, it was, it's crazy because, like, my grandma died at, like, 67. And that was a crazy news to me because I loved her so much. And she also had sickle cell, you know. And, like, even then, like, my dad, like, you know, had a tough, a tough front for all of us, you know, and everything. But uh, during that time, like, it was the first time I, like, saw my dad cry, you know, because I was, like, I was just there in pain and then everything. And I was, like, bawling tears and everything, you know. And he was mm-hmm. just looking at me. I was bawling tears. And, like, it was the first time, I think, ever in my life that I went to my dad. I was, like, why? Like, you know, like why me? You know, because I was, like, why is this all going on? And I was just, like, bawling tears. Like, oh, like, why is this going on? Why am I so pain? Why do I have to have, be born with sickle cell? All these things, you know. And my dad, like, you know, obviously as a parent, he couldn't take it because, like, you know, you just have your kid there, like, wondering why they're, like, putting this role existing just to be in pain. And uh, it was, like, absolutely crazy. And I went to Cork then, and I was there for another few months. I had my surgery. So it was meant to be a keyhole surgery um, in February. I had my surgery, it was February 20th, uh, 2013. Like, I still remember the day. It was meant to be a keyhole surgery, but they couldn't do it because of all these complications. So they had to, like, fully open me up. So I have, like, a scar down my <clears throat> my abs, sorry, and uh, uh, showing, like, this massive scar. They had to open it up, to cut out my spleen. They cut out my gallbladder while they were there, you know, because they had been damaged a bit as well. So, like, I got my spleen, my gallbladder roof, and I was, like, passed out for, like, a whole solid week. I, I'm pretty sure I was gone. You know, I woke up a few times and I instantly pass out, you know, like because of all the trauma my body endured and like, you know, that myself like in the pain and everything. So I, I think like for like two weeks, I was in a, in a state of like waking up, going to sleep, waking up, going to sleep, you know, like the two weeks just passed like a blur. And I eventually like woke up and I was in the hospital then still being treated because I was still in pain from, you know, everything that happened. And I was still having crisis because of everything that was going on. Essentially, the pain from the surgery settled down while I was in the hospital, but then I had complications because I was being pumped with so much morphine because of the pain that caused like other complications for me. And I was in the hospital for even longer. So like the entire thing was like about six and a half months hospitalization ordeal, you know, mm-hmm. but in the end of the day, I came out of it alive, which I'm grateful for, you know. And, and- a cool scar, right? Yeah, and a cool scar, you know. So can't forget that, uh, you know, the cool scar. And uh, and then I just like it took me about a year, year and a half to like heal from it, you know. After the surgery, like the scar to like come down a bit and everything. I still have it. Like it's you can see it all like in its full glory anytime on me. And you know, was it's just that, like a reminder. Um, was that the only major complication that you had? throughout your life or were there any other there were others as well there are lots of times when I was younger on 11 12 where I had some really bad crises and stuff like that you know and I got really like you know really in bad situations pain wise and everything and it just wasn't good for me when I was young but that one 
I feel like just sticks to my brain because it was the longest one, you know, and it I was think crazy. It's very that mentally that taxing. Yeah, like for you and your family, of course. Yeah, it was very like mentally taxing for all of us, you know. I and even my friends and everything, like they were stressed, mm. like they didn't know what was going on. Like I, I didn't message anyone for like I think it was like a month or two, and uh, and I like let them know like, hey, yo, I'm in the hospital. <laughs> Sorry for being a <laughs> and uh, and they're like, what the hell and everything, but. Yeah, it was pretty, like, there was a lot that went into it, and it was a whole crazy situation, and, uh, like, even afterwards, I went into sixth year, like, I missed pretty much all of school for fifth year, you know, so, like, my teacher was, like, my principal was, like, hey, you can repeat 50 if you want, I was, like, no, nah, I don't want to, yeah. and then I just did sixth year, so I had to, like, study up and everything, but I was still kind of, like, mentally, like, stressed from the whole thing, like, mm-hmm. and it was causing me attacks, and causing me all these issues mm-hmm. uh, i would like honestly major props <laughs> to you of course to our life but you managed to just do your leaving sir and start college at the age <laughs> of 16 which is absolutely crazy yeah. i don't know how you did that <laughs> also quick uh rain check on behalf of uh david there messaging me saying more like three months i'm sorry lads yeah more like three months i didn't message you guys yeah 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 all right whatever <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I went into sixth year. I was so mentally kind of like taken from it. I obviously didn't show it because like that's the type of person I am. I kind of like brush mm-hmm. things off. But physically, I did because I was getting attacks pretty frequently. Mm-hmm. So my consultant at the time in Cork was telling me uh, uh, to go to see a psychologist, you know. So I actually ended up seeing one because like the stress of everything, like sixth year, uh, the whole thing that happened, everything was kind of just making me have attacks and it actually really did help. Like, I feel like the psychologist really did help with me because I went for a few sessions and I feel like it really made me clear my mind to the whole situation. And then I got way less attacks after that. Would you consider maybe like going to a psychologist today again? Or um, do you feel like, like, you know, that was... If needs be, I wouldn't, you know, it's not like a one-time thing. I feel like people should definitely seek help when they need help. Like if you feel like you can't mentally deal with something, you shouldn't have to, you know, you help is there for a reason. You should never feel any kind of stigma, you know, whether it's reach out to the closest people you have and being able to talk to them, or if you don't feel comfortable, you want to talk to a psychologist because you want professional help. I think there's nothing wrong with that at all. I feel like you should definitely get help when you need it. Mm-hmm. Would you say you have um, less attacks now that you're older than you did when you were younger? Would they be as impactful, you know, as stressful uh, now as they were back then? Or what would be the difference? Uh, I, I'd say I definitely right now, in comp- I still get a good bit of attacks because that's just unfortunately how it is for me personally. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, it is a lot less than when I was younger, for sure, because I was getting attacks like pretty much every second week when I was younger. But now I've I think because I'm older, more mature and I understand it better. I take care of myself more. I know what I should and shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. I I am always like making sure I'm on top of everything. And but with also, all that, I on. think I read somewhere that uh, the body developing really impacts the crises, the amount of crises you have. And once yeah, you exactly. stop growing, you know, it could impact you less. Yeah, exactly. So like, uh, because you're going through like many body changes when you're younger, you're more likely to have a lot more attacks because your body's just not stable, you know, in that first place. But when you're older, your body's a lot more stable, so it makes it less likely to, for you to have attacks. But obviously, they can still occur. But also at the same time, as an adult, you know, you're you're a lot more prepared for things. You know, you you're on top of things. 
mm-hmm. not being stubborn about things, you know. Like I was the kind of stubborn, like there are times I'll have pain and I'm like, I shouldn't do anything, but I'll still go do it anyway because I'm like, no. But like, you know, there when it's bad, I obviously can't do anything. So like when it's small ones, I'm like, mm, I'll just I'll just I'll just skim past this one, you know. That is so bad. <laughs> just pop some painkillers um, and move on. So you you talked a little bit about your grandma, and I know you know this is a bit of a sensitive uh, topic here, and you were very close to her. How would you say you know her experience was back then? Uh, you know, growing up with it versus your, yours from the stories that she may have told you. Yeah, no, my grandma had a completely different situation with sickle cell. Uh, uh, bless her heart. Like she had, um, she died at sixty-seven from other complications that like stemmed on from it or and whatever. But like growing up, she had a pretty hard time because at the time, like you know, sickle cell really wasn't something that was known well, especially like in in Africa where she was in Lagos, or it uh, it wasn't really well known. So my grandma. Like she would have pains it's pretty much always in her leg. And uh she would be like, Oh, my leg's in pain and whatever, and she can't do it. And people are like, Oh, yo, why are you why are you uh lying? You know, you're not doing that. And they're like, you know, like they'll like beat her, you know, because like thinking she's trying to just trying to skimp out on work or helping and stuff when in reality she was legitimately in pain and no one knew why, you know. So like it caused her end up having like actual like damage in her legs because of how much times she would uh, have all these sickle cell attacks and never get it treated. You know, like my grandma wasn't as fortunate as me to be able to go to the hospital anytime I had like a severe attack and get all these painkillers. Like she had to just live with it. You know, she had to deal with it. Like, you know, just trick on no matter how bad it was, which is crazy. You know, it's absolutely crazy. And the fact, and like, she's kind of like my North star, you know, like when I think about it, cause I'm like, if she can live 67 years, like, not really getting any treatment whatsoever and have sickle cell and I like live that long there's no way I'm not gonna do it either you know like there's no excuse for me like I'm like there's no way I'm gonna let this thing beat me if she can do that much and she had no help whatsoever and no like assistance like I have to do it as well man I don't know how you're so chill I'm here like tearing up when you're talking about this uh, it's um so then growing up did you feel misunderstood like you were exaggerating when you talked about it you know like you said your grandma of course did because people didn't know about it but how about yourself yeah like especially when I was younger like um, in primary school especially and then kind of bit at the start of secondary school before I kind of like accepted it for what it is was that I felt like I couldn't really talk about it because I feel like everyone just thought I was over exaggerating and like making noise mm-hmm. just to make noise, you know. And so I would just like try to keep it to myself and not really tell anyone about it. I was like back then I didn't really tell anyone I had sickle cell because I was like, no one's just going to believe me. They're not going to take me seriously. So I just didn't tell anyone. I just kept it to myself and the people who I let closest into my life were the only people that like would know mm-hmm. overall. But like now it's something I just probably tell anyone like it is what it is this is what it is and i just deal with it but when i was younger yeah it was harder do you think it's you know important to be talked about like i know that um september sickle cell awareness month do you think it's really important that we talk about it and you know bring it to people's attention yeah no i think it's very important to have eyes on sickle cell Uh, whether it be about the thing or just knowing it exists because i know how it's like for the how hard it is for the kids who have it because mm-hmm. i was a kid who had it and feeling alone like you feel very alone because like everyone knows about any of the, like the big things that affect people right but no one knows about this thing and it's a big part of your life you know mm-hmm. if you have it like 
to what my people see as something that's made up or small is a very big part of your life. Like people are like, oh, it's not that bad because there are other worse diseases that kill people. I'm like, yes, but like I can literally die from this. I can have bad situations from this. To me, it's the worst, you know, because it's exactly mm -hmm. what's impacting me. So like when people aren't willing to like understand that, I feel I can, it hurts me to see all these young kids being in that situation not being like taken seriously and knowing that the loneliness and the you know feeling of like i'm exaggerating that they're going through because they shouldn't have to go through that no one should have to go mm -hmm. through that you know like do you it's feel like, do you feel like you were robbed of a normal normal childhood uh i wouldn't say i was like i because i did try to push myself as much as possible you know like I, as we said like i still did swimming i still did everything but like yeah there was definitely things that i had to be a lot more conscious of than that other kids didn't have to be as conscious of you know mm -hmm. um so i have a couple more questions then for you and if for any anyone who has any questions please send them in now and we'll answer them as soon as we finished um what is there anything that you wish people knew about this i guess like it's just as i said it's just awareness like knowing what sickle cell is like you don't need to know the whole spiel of what it causes the whole 15 minute mm -hmm. presentation but like just like knowing oh it's this thing that exists and this person can be in really bad pain about it and you know i should take them seriously if they're uh, telling me they're in a bad situation i feel like just that bare minimum is honestly enough mm -hmm. and it would help a lot uh, and what can your close circle so like you know people close to you what can they do to try and help you i guess just like honestly uh being there for you you know like just making you not feel alone you know like you're not going through things by yourself you know like humans are creatures that rely on each other essentially we're a group community type thing so having people there always makes everything better i guess understanding is a big thing yeah yeah just having the understanding is honestly a big thing and i have a final question for you um what motivates you man like what motivates you how are you so positive all the time despite this whole thing going on in your life uh, i guess i've just gotten to a point where like i know this thing is an inevitable thing and i have to just deal with it so like especially after like uh, my, the situation with my grandma and the situation with me and all the ones i've had I just got to a point where I'm like, man, I just have to move on. I have to push forward. I have to do anything. And I'm not going to let anything hold me back. Like, essentially, is, I'm not going to let what I have stop me from living my life mm -hmm. and being the best I can be. So that pushes me to be even better than I am. Uh, give us give us some uh, positive um, motivator points for the rest of us who are just sad about <laughs> every little inconvenience. Because honestly, like, I'm, like, I find myself... And being with you for so long, I used to be just like always so annoyed about small inconveniences along the way. And I'm like, this guy lives with sickle cell all the time and doesn't complain about anything. Uh, it's grand. Like, I think everyone has the right to complain about whatever. It's just my own personal feeling. I just don't, you know, like, it's just the way I've been growing up to be. So I just don't complain about anything. I try to avoid it as much as possible. But, you know... Everyone, if you want to complain, complain. No one's going to stop you. Let They should listen to you. <laughs> I be I find myself so many times just going to Farouk and I'm like complaining. I'm like, wait, hold up. This feels so wrong. Continue to complain anyway. Like, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, Is there anything else you'd like to add uh, before we listen to the questions? No, no. Honestly, I feel like the major takeaways from this is just trying to just bring more awareness around it and like, 
situations that people are facing and understanding that this is something that's very serious to a small amount of people, but those people, like, it, it's big to them, you know? It might be a small amount of people, but it's very big to them. And it's just, like, not belittling or, or discouraging people, you know, just, like, it's, I, I think it's like anything in life. If anyone is telling you about, like, their struggles, I think people need to be just kind to each other and be like, I might not fully understand what you're going through, but I'm more than willing to be there for you. And mm-hmm. I feel like if we can do that, we're going a long way. I'm very, I'm very glad we had this conversation and we're bringing awareness. And, yeah. you know, I'm really happy you decided to, to do this for us. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, and if anyone wants any more information about sickle cell or even foundation and so forth feel free to just check out sicklecellsociety.org they're like one of the big foundations in relation to sickle cell so they're a good shout to go to okay do you want to play the question yeah or the let's question? uh <laughs> let's play uh pula's one here lad if there would be a possibility to use crispr to edit your genome and get rid of the like stop the sickle cell would you Yo, I'd hop on it. Like, if there was a way to get rid of it, like, automatically using CRISPR, I'd do it straight away. I'd be on I'm like, give me my ticket right now. Like, but sir, it's experimental. Give me my ticket right now. Give me my ticket. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I think with time, with all these new technologies, like in medicine and CRISPR and all these uh, changes that you can do, it'll be pretty interesting to see how we can get rid of a lot of, like, these serious illnesses that, that, that cause, like, human stress and, you know, like, uh, heartache and death and so on like mm-hmm. i feel like it'd be pretty good to well i would i would hope so i would yeah. definitely hope so we're like, go going in that direction yeah exactly no, that is that is pretty much all we have and any clips from today will be up on instagram and on tiktok and we where else are you posting them freak on spotify yeah, they'll be on Spotify. The sort of podcast that is now available every week on Sunday. New the the episode before our our live will always be available at the same time as our live every week on Spotify, so last, Google Podcasts, everywhere. Go ahead and listen to that. Yep, it's up now on all your podcasting platforms of your choice. <laughs> okay, so then you have it there, gang. Until next time, peace out. Peace. Take care.